This is a special Walker Cup episode. The Back of the Range Golf Podcast will introduce you to the finest amateur golfers in the United States. Some have competed in major championships, others have won USGA titles, and many have been named All-Americans. The one thing they all have in common? They all want to be one of 10 men chosen to represent their country at the 47th Walker Cup matches at Royal Liverpool Golf Club. This is The Road to Hoylake, presented by AmateurGolf.com. And now your host, Ben Adelberg. And thanks again for joining me here on The Road to Hoylake, presented by AmateurGolf.com. I'm your host, Ben Adelberg. Well, the week before the U.S. Amateur is coming to a close and the top amateurs in the world are making their way right now to Pinehurst. The USAM is the top amateur tournament in the world. For the first timers, it might just be their only appearance in a USGA event. Just the thrill of qualifying for a US amateur will be enough. For mid-amps like Scott Harvey and Matt Parziali, it might just be another fun week competing against the kids. And for a select few, this is their final chance to add some polish to their playing resumes and make their case to be included on the Walker Cup team. This episode, like the others, features two more amateurs on the shortlist to make the U.S. squad. Before we get to our guests on this latest installment on the road to Hoylake, I wanted to remind you that this series is being presented by AmateurGolf.com. They are offering a free 90-day trial to all of the features on their website. Scores, schedules, articles, commentary, it truly is the leading database of all things amateur golf. So go to their website, AmateurGolf.com, enter the code, You don't need a credit card. Just go enjoy this resource for free for 90 days. The code is BOTR, which stands for Back of the Range. And now to our guests, John Pock from Florida State University and Quade Cummins from Oklahoma. Of all the players vying for a spot on the U.S. Walker Cup team, John's summer might just be the most hectic and also the most productive. Runner-up at the Porter Cup, he made match play at the Western, Sixth at the Players, fourth at the Sunny Hannah, he is a top 10 machine. After securing ACC Freshman of the Year at FSU, he backed it up during his sophomore season and won the ACC Championship. While he didn't get picked to the Palmer Cup team this summer, it hasn't slowed down his drive to make the U.S. Walker Cup team. Definitely keep your eye on Pac at Pinehurst. And that brings us to one of the Burley boys from Norman, Oklahoma, Quade Cummins. Maybe he wasn't on the shortlist earlier this summer to make the team, but when you win the Pac Coast Amateur Championship with a four-round score of 20 under par and make top 16 and advance to match play at the Western, well, you're going to get some attention. Quaid actually reminds me a little bit of Chandler Phillips from Texas A&M, down-to-earth guy that just hits it far, finds it, and hits it again. He was part of that 2017 National Championship team. He'll return to Oklahoma for his senior season, But with a strong showing at the U.S. Amateur, he just might be making a detour to the U.K. before school starts. Before we get to the conversations with John and Quaid, remember, subscribe in Apple Podcasts and Spotify to get the latest episodes in this series. Make sure that you're all caught up and follow along on AmateurGolf.com. All of the social media links for The Back of the Range are located on our website, TheBackOfTheRange.com. And just a reminder, that free code for AmateurGolf.com is BO. Before we get to our conversations with John and Quaid, let's welcome back Julie Williams, managing editor at AmateurGolf.com, to get some additional thoughts on these two American hopefuls. 
Julie, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Getting uh, ever closer to the USAM. I'm curious. You are going to be at Pinehurst. You're going to be at the USAM. What kind of prep are you doing just in general to get ready to cover this for AmateurGolf.com? So I'm kind of uh, getting to know the field, um, doing a little bit of preview work for our site, talking to a few. Uh, i tell you what, I'm focused on the mid-amateurs. I talked to Brett Boner, who was the U.S. mid-amateur runner-up yesterday, just about how he's, you know, he's 45, so he's definitely at the north end of the age bracket. Uh, I talked to Denny Job, who was a contemporary of... A Zach Blair um, about just, you know, growing up with Zach and he qualified for his first USAM. So kind of telling some interesting stories, kind of, you know, looking at some of the stats, who's going to be there, just trying to brush up. It's kind of a daunting job because there are just stories everywhere, whether it's mid-ams or first-timers or, or career amateurs that have been there more than 20 times. So it it seems like there's just a whole bunch of Stones to uncover and, and stories to chase down. Oh, yeah. And there are just, you know, there are so many players there. You know, they'll use uh, number two and number four. You know, they'll split the, the field between two courses for the first two days because they have, you know, a huge field before it's trimmed down to 64. So a lot of guys, you'll get the ex experience. It is hard to get in, but, um, you know, there's a lot of guys there. So this is a just another tournaments similar you know similar to the western am it's just it's a long haul i mean the first round of stroke play starts monday august 12th the championship match 36 holes of, of play which will be on sunday the 18th you're gonna be there you're gonna be covering it but you're also a golfer yourself and you're gonna bring your sticks so for people that are thinking about going to pinehurst whether it's for to follow the usam or just to go there for a golf trip i think that seems to be at the top of everyone's list what are some of the courses you're going to try and hit while you're in town? Top of my list is the Cradle. I really want to play. That's the new nine-hole course. Um, I I want to get on that before the week is over. I've heard fantastic things about that place. Um, that place, you know, that area is so full of golf. Uh, good golf, tons of Pinehurst, Pinehurst courses. But um, I was there several years ago, and one of the courses that I really liked that was kind of off the beaten path was Tobacco Road kind of in that Mike Strantz. So if I could get back over to Tobacco Road, I'd, I'd be okay with that. Nice, nice. So speaking of, you know, all the coverage you're going to be providing, can you speak to what AmateurGolf.com will provide in just in the totality covering arguably the largest amateur and the most important amateur event uh, of the year? Yeah, absolutely. So we will have game stories every day so you can keep track of what's going on with the tournament itself. Players who do something spectacular you need to know about. Players who are making a name for themselves will we'll do some features. We'll also be out there interviewing some of the guys on camera so you can kind of get to know what these guys are like personality-wise, much like what you're doing with the Walker Cub hopefuls, but also providing some scenery just of what that Pinehurst area looks like, you know, what the course looks like, what the, the greater area looks like. So we will kind of We'll be on social media. Um, so really trying to just provide the feel of the tournament and what it's like to be there next week. You mentioned the hopefuls that, uh, you know, we're, we're focusing here on for the Walker Cup. So I know we're going to be checking in uh, throughout the USAM with you next week. But let's actually get your thoughts on a couple of these hopefuls that are going to be appearing in this episode John Pock and Quade Cummins. So let's start with Mr. Pock from Florida State University. What uh, what can you tell me about John? So John is a player who is very 
careful about watching his statistics, watching his numbers. I think that helps him get better. I think that's, you know, why we saw he had a four-win season as a sophomore at Florida State, culminating with that ACC title this spring. But the thing that speaks well for Pac is just the number of times that he has teed it up this summer. You know, we haven't seen some of these guys play week in, week out. We've seen John Pock playing week in, week out. And I think that sends a pretty loud message that I want to be on that team. No, absolutely. I see a lot of what he's doing this summer. And, and you know, it's a lot of single-digit finishes, seventh, ninth, fourth. I mean, that's he's, he's right there. And another guy that I just really kind of came under the radar pretty quickly. I mean, he won a national championship with Oklahoma back in 2017 as a freshman. And then this year, kind of struggled. and then. Boom, wins the Pac Coast. So I'm talking about Quade Cummins, uh, one of the Burley boys from uh, down in Norman, Oklahoma. So so talk to me about Quade. Yeah, Quade has had a great, just last, you know, boom, boom, boom. He plays, um, you know, the Pacific Coast, wins it, plays the Western Amateur, gets to match play. So I think he is coming on strong. Talk about somebody who you want to pick up when they're, you know, peaking at the right time. I think that's a good example of somebody who's peaking at the right time. But I want to go back to that Pacific Coast amateur win. You're looking for a good stat there. Uh, He was bogey-free. It's a 72-hole tournament. He was bogey-free for a 56-hole stretch, which included, you know, the entirety of the second and third rounds. So that's a pretty impressive thing oh yeah i I, I would say so Uh, 56 holes that's basically three rounds of golf you know it goes bogey free that's that's pretty impressive you don't see that very often no 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 you sure don't the thing that i like about quade too is i I just i'm thinking about if you need a guy that's going to keep everyone loose if you want to keep you know like almost like a a boo weekly rider cub character um, I, I mean, that's Quake Cummins. That's also Chandler Phillips. I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, those two guys together. Um, yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Absolutely. They're good, you know, Midwest down to earth boys. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and Chandler Phillips was in a previous episode with uh, with Alex Smalley. So if you haven't listened to that one, go back, check that one out. Um, we will catch up uh, probably next time you and I are going to speak. You will be at Pinehurst. Oh, yes, I will. Exciting. Yeah. So have a, have a great time there. We'll catch up soon. And as always, uh, thanks for joining me here at the Road to Hoylake. Sounds great. Thank you. Thanks, as always, Julie, for the insight. Safe travels up to Pinehurst. I look forward to speaking with you on the next episode. Let's get to our conversations with John and Quaid. John, welcome to the back of the range. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Uh, I just, I've had a pretty good summer and uh, thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Well, this modesty stuff, we're going to just, you know, we're going to clear this up really quick. This pretty good summer of yours included a bunch of, you know, every time we look at your finishes for this summer, there's only one digit. It's not a double digit finish. So we have a runner up at the Porter and six at the players and fourth at the Sunny Hannah made the match play at the Western just last week. Uh, I think that qualifies as a, as an excellent summer. Um, before I talk about FSU, before I talk about a couple other things, I want to ask you, you know, this is a lot of travel, um, you know, for these tournaments, it's no different than what you do at FSU. I think your fall, your fall was, I think you had, you had the Duke tournament, the Illini tournament, uh, Ohio state, and then Georgia tech. So what's maybe the difference you have between traveling for college events versus traveling on your own for elite amateur events in the summer? 
you know, I'm, I'm really fortunate during the summer because I have my parents driving with me. So we actually drove to every single event I played in the summertime. You're kidding. So no, I'm not <laughs> road know. road tripping with the parents this summer. Yep. I just, I coop up in the back seat and just go on my phone and my dad does all the driving, which is it's great. Sometimes I'll help him out, but yeah, it's awesome. You know, 10 hours to South Carolina, um, 11 hours to Michigan. Yeah. It's, it's been, it's been pretty brutal, but you know, it's, <laughs> it's nice to have my parents with me, you know, helping me out. Absolutely. So you're, uh, so that goes without saying you're very close with your family. Um, give yep. me, give me one of the highlights of this, uh, this summer family golf vacation that didn't involve golf. Was there anything, any sightseeing you did that just was maybe a standout from the, from the summer, um, uh, outside of golf? You know, we went to uh, we went to Niagara Falls for the Porter Cup, and you know that was awesome. My 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 parents loved it. It was the first time, and you know it was so beautiful out there, and uh, it was just a really good time out there. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, you've been to New York and South Carolina. Man, you're all over the place. Yeah, um, that's very cool. So you you were homeschooled as a, as a junior golfer uh, living in Orlando. I know you're originally from from uh, New York. But you know, you spend. I'm from that, New Jersey. No, I'm sorry, Scotch Plains, yep. New Jersey. I always got that mixed up. So you originally a lot from, of people mess that up. Oh, I hate being a lot of people. Um, <laughs> so you're originally from Scotch Plains, New Jersey. I'm curious the transition from being homeschooled in high school and being kind of a big fish, uh, you know, in junior golf. You're an All American in the AJGA All American. What was your transition like to becoming a freshman at a very large university in Florida State? and then entering this team dynamic of college golf? To be honest, the, the transition wasn't too hard. Um, I've always knew I would love going to college, and, you know, just because I loved it so much, it made it really easy, you know. Any rookie mistakes or seniors that you leaned on for a little bit of guidance that first year? I mean, you're, you know, ACC freshman year, you handled it on the golf course, but I'm, I'm just having to assume – big campus, just different experiences. Yeah. My, my teammates were super helpful. Uh, I don't know if you know, Harry Ellis, he, yeah. uh, he graduated. Yeah. He graduated, uh, my freshman year, but you know, he's a great captain. You know, he always looked out for everyone and, you know, helped me out a bunch. And, you know, I was really thankful for that. So your, your freshman season at FSU, just a, a tremendous achievement, just, you know, freshman of the year of the ACC, and then you back it up with this incredible sophomore season with four victories and, you know, winning the ACC championship. But I want to ask you about the summer in between. So the, the, the purpose of the road to Hoylake is to kind of showcase the, the hopefuls that are trying to make the U.S. Walker Cup team. But we have a lot of listeners that are trying to work on their own games. And I know that summer was a bit of a struggle for you. So maybe yeah, speak yes, to it was. okay well <laughs> all right i'm going down a dark road i feel but no no it's okay i'm <laughs> over it now <laughs> okay all right wow this this isn't a therapy session we actually got to talk golf here but like what was <laughs> what were the things that you were struggling with and how did you get yourself out of it to turn it around so so strongly so last summer i actually went to uh scotland to play the british Am. yeah and it wasn't so that it wasn't much of me playing bad golf and like you know, thinking I was not a good golfer. It was just going out there. It was so different. I wasn't used to it. And mentally I, I got a little, I got, I beat myself up. And then when I came back to America, I struggled for a bit. And then I went to back to school and I played at Duke and I shot 62 the first day and then won the tournament and boom, the confidence just came back like that. And, you know, I think it was just a little confidence issue and, 
you know, traveling to Scotland and not knowing what to do. But, you know, I didn't think my golf game was in a bad spot. I just don't didn't think I was ready to play that type of golf, you know. You mentioned that type of golf and, and not being ready over there. What what are kind of the things that you experienced over there because again you know that's that's where you're hoping to be going uh, next month yep. at, for the walker cup so what were some of the things that you kind of ran up against that maybe you weren't ready for then that you're ready for now yeah yeah it was a great learning experience and you know i i just had a funny story I, like i was like 290 out i hit my three wood maybe 250 you know there's a group in front of us waiting on the green and you know i was like don't worry about it guys i'll just go ahead and i hit it over the green and i was like there's just no way that happened you know, so things like that, you know, uh, I think I've learned a lot from going out there and now I l- understand the game over there a little bit better. You know, being based out of Tallahassee at FSU and obviously, you know, Southern part of the United States, you have a lot of, uh, you know, weather consistencies and grass consistencies and, and you know, a lot of probably playing on a lot of Bermuda and a lot of target golf where you just get a lot of carries and your short game, I'm assuming you have to, you know, not, not the bump and runs. It's a completely different animal over there. Um, did you, did you like it or was it just, did it kind of spark any creativity or, or what were your immediate thoughts on Lynx golf? My immediate thoughts was how, you know, different it was. I, I was just, you know, it's grass is rock hard. Yeah. There aren't many trees. You hit one little right or left, you're in bushes or the tall grass. Um, I think it was a great learning experience. So I think, I think that helped out a lot. You played the British Am, but then you also played kind of a maybe a lesser known tournament for people that follow amateur golf. It's the uh, it's the St Andrews Lynx Trophy, um, rite of passage, of course, getting into St Andrews. Uh, what was your first experience walking into the town of St Andrews? You know, I, I love the town. We stayed in the town and it was, it was beautiful. You know, it's, it's just, it's a great town. Um, the first 17th and 18th hole is so cool. Cause you know, you got the golf course, you know, the water way over there in the big town. And it's, it's so beautiful out there. I've been to St. Andrews about, uh, three times. So, yep. so love, love the town there. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the the Dun Vegan and, and the British Golf Museum and just all the all the places that you can go. And did you see people just walking around town carrying golf clubs on their back? Is that pretty much how you got to the golf course every day? No, we, we had a car. We, oh, yeah, you had a I car? Drove, okay. Yeah, I was with my friend from England and we drove up to Scotland. Nice. I know setting goals is something that, that is important to just about everyone in golf, but I know it's especially something that you like to do with, with your coach, Trey Jones, trying to set yourself up for success every single season. Hitting a goal of, of whether it's you know shooting under par or never making more than a bogey or maybe you know knocking in 103 footers in a row at a practice session, those are all very tangible, uh, definitive goals. How do you set a goal for making a Walker Cup team or putting yourself in the best spot to make a Walker Cup team when largely that's, I guess, largely it's out of your control, so to speak? The way I see it is since I didn't make the top three, it's it's something I can't control. So, you know, my goals are just obviously to play the best golf I can and, you know, let the committee decide. But actually at the beginning of the year making walker cup was one of my goals and i guess making those smaller goals of you know having that scoring average at sub 70 below 70 and you know trying to get at least one or two wins you know all those things add up to 
helping the committee, you know, try to pick me. Absolutely. Well, I, I believe you got pretty darn close. I know you set the, I know you set the, the single season scoring average record at FSU around 69.57, I believe it was something around that area, but yeah, but uh, yeah, that'll, that'll get some attention. So uh, let me, I, I have to ask you this one and you can shy away from me if you want to, but um, you weren't picked for Palmer cup after four yeah. wins in a, all-america season at fsu how did that affect you moving forward what were your thoughts on that did that drive you more or did it just kind of did you kind of shake it off i'm just kind of curious after that kind of a season and not making that team what did that change for you or if anything moving forward it did bother me a little bit i was a little disappointed i didn't make the team but again that's one of those instances where you just don't have control over whether you get picked or not, you just got to play good golf. And, you know, I, I did use that as motivation and, you know, try and get into the Walker cup this year and, you know, just, yeah, I tried to push myself and just try to play as good a golf as I can, you know? Sure. Now you've played, as I said earlier, you've played a lot of these high profile amateur events, uh, you know, Porter cup players. I know you've probably run into a lot of the guys that are on the short list, just like you are, and possibly even guys that have already played Walker cup. Um, are there yeah. are there any people you've been able to speak to, maybe ask questions to about what it's like to play in a Walker Cup team? You know, I've I've hung out with Stu quite a bit. I saw I played with him at the Northeast, and then I hung out with him after rounds with the players. And you know, Stu's Stu's an awesome guy. You know, he's always just giving me information and telling me what he thinks. And you know, it's pretty cool. And just the experience he's had, it's it's nice to listen to some of the stories he's had about being on the Walker Cup team. Is there any, maybe a specific either story or a specific piece of advice that he's been able to provide to you? Because when I spoke to him previously, it's interesting. I, I told him, I said, you know, everyone's in this same boat of trying to get on the team, but you actually have an, he has the experience of dealing with the summer leading up to it, not knowing where you stand and what to do. And I kind of felt that that was a big advantage that he has maybe what's something that he's given to you as far as advice or maybe anecdotes that have maybe helped this summer of, you know, putting yourself in the best spot possible. So at the Northeast, he, uh, I talked to him about the Walker cup and stuff. And this was before I met, uh, Nathaniel Crosby and everything and didn't know who was like getting looked to looked into for the Walker cup. And I asked him about it. He was like, don't worry, you're getting looked into right now. <laughs> so that just, that, yeah, that just that little bit of a, a reassurance, you know, made me pretty happy and, you know, helped me out a lot. Is it, is it weird when you're at a tournament and you're just kind of locked in and then you look up and you see some guy staring, standing off to the side of the, of the fairway or, or somewhere nearby. And you're like, Oh wow, that's the uh, captain of the U S Walker cup team. there, just watching me hit a shot. Does, does that get your attention when you're out there playing? It gets my attention, but it doesn't bother me. You know, it's, it's, it's like you grow up with it in junior golf and I guess not collegiate golf where you have the, the coaches of college teams looking at watching you play, Right. you know, I'd, whatever, you know, if I had a bad shot or a good shot doesn't, doesn't affect, you know, how I should play, you know? Yeah. I had a lot of college coaches watching me back in the day, John, <laughs> uh, boy, I know what that's like, but, uh, it's great to hear that, uh, that you're able to handle it just as well as I did back when I was playing in the NAIA. Speaking of schools, you had this amazing junior golf career. It's getting time to look at colleges. 
probably could have gone to just about any school you wanted to go to. How did how did FSU get on your radar? Because while it is a, a you know D one powerhouse in athletics, I guess maybe golf isn't as high up on that list as maybe obviously football, basketball, and baseball. So how did how did FSU become an option for you and ultimately become your choice? The the big thing for me was I wanted to stay in the state of Florida. Okay. My coach is there in Orlando, Sean Hogan, and, you know, he's helped me out a bunch. And being four hours, you know, I can take a weekend off and drive over there, and it's not too far. Um, coach Jones is, you know, he's had a lot of success being a coach there. He's, he's you know, raised four professional golfers on tour and one who's doing very well right now, Burks Kepka. And, uh, you know, most of them were good junior golfers, but I saw that they got better in college. And that's something I, I really, you know, looked into when I was going into school. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. What is your, I'm going to get you out of here because I know next week you're getting prepared for the USAM, but what is your, what is your guilty pleasure as a college student? I know you're practicing a lot, playing a lot, traveling a lot, but as a regular college student at FSU, what is your guilty pleasure as far as just doing something outside of golf? Uh, I live with two of my best friends and, you know, just hanging out with them. We do fantasy football we, uh, and it's just, you know, we just do that for fun. And it's, you know, I just love hanging out with them and that's what I like to do a lot. So um, you mentioned fantasy football. I am nowhere near an expert on fantasy football, but. Uh, so. <laughs> Neither am I. Okay. Last year was my first year. Okay. It was your first year. Okay. Um, all right. Well, let's see. So what was one of your, <laughs> what was one of your best picks and then what was one of your clearly rookie mistakes of fantasy football i mean we we're trying to be a really uh you know all-encompassing podcast here golf and fantasy football yeah. we're trying to do what we can here to help everyone out so give yeah. me give me some of your good and bad picks or who are you looking at for this year you know educate our listeners here about what what is the going on in the fantasy football mind of john pock well we're in a ppr league and i had i had saquon okay barkley and I'm actually a Giants fan, so I okay. Oh, yeah. that's the first you know? the first mistake going for what going for your favorite team and that, exactly. Yeah, I, yeah. I went <laughs> I went with Saquon, which was awesome. You know, he did fantastic. But then I also, you know, Dalvin Cook out of Florida State, yeah, picked him, and he got injured this year. And I, I those are both risky picks, but you know, one worked out and the other didn't. So you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah, I say it was a it was a win. It was a win out of those two picks. Yeah, that's not bad. Well, John, I, I appreciate the time. I know you that you're ramping up, getting ready for Pinehurst, getting ready for the U.S. Amateur. It's kind of the last tournament on the list for everyone that's kind of jockeying for a spot in the World Amateur Golf Rankings and jockeying for a spot to, to get on the U.S. Walker Cup team. Uh, best of luck at the U.S. and best of luck uh, the rest of the way at FSU. And uh, hopefully we'll see you on the road to Hoylake. And, uh, and, and best wishes, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, John. All the best to you at the USAM and at FSU next season. Our next guest, the only Burley boy returning to Norman, Oklahoma next season. Let's get to him now. Quake Cummins, how the hell are you? Yeah, doing good. Uh, just got done with the second round of the Western, so uh, staying busy, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's it's been a fantastic summer for you already. We'll get into a little bit of what you've been doing to keep yourself busy since uh, since school got out. Um, you know, as you mentioned, you're right in the middle of the Western Amateur, just completed your second round, shot 64 today. If I had to count how many times on my hand, how many times I've shot 64. Um, 
So anyway, moving on. So let's, uh, without giving me a shot by shot, explain to me the difference that you saw in the first round at the Western and then also today in a in a second round 64. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was basically just the conditions. Yesterday I teed off in the afternoon wave, and uh, it was, it was kind of windy during the entire round. And then um, all the all the morning guys yesterday kind of came out and shot some low scores. So if I, I knew if I could just kind of hang in there in the afternoon yesterday, I could come out this morning and do something good. Well, and the thing about this tournament is it's such an absolutely grueling event. It's not like other maybe 54-hole or 72-hole stroke play yeah. events. It's 72 of stroke with a cut at 36, and then the top 16 after 72 holes go to match play. So this is a, just an entire grueling week. Let me ask you, as far as, you know, you carry your bag, you walk these courses as, as a, you know, collegiate uh, player, what are some of the things maybe that you've done over the last maybe two or three years at Oklahoma to get yourself physically prepared to play these types of tournaments that maybe you didn't do in high school? I mean, probably just working out and stuff. Our coaches at Oklahoma do a great job of making sure we're ready. I mean, they make sure our golf game and we're, we're good physically. And, uh, I mean, the rest is just up to us because uh, they have us really prepared for every tournament. What is the one exercise or one workout that you guys absolutely try and get out of as much as possible that you absolutely hate but you know is probably good for you that you probably should be doing? Yeah, uh, well, at the beginning of the year, we all we always have to run. Usually the hardest workouts are at the beginning of each semester, so uh, we, know, we know it's coming, but we can't really do anything about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone. I, I always, I'm very suspicious of anyone that truly enjoys running. So I just kind yeah. of, yeah, I don't know about those people. So you're you're trying to do these things to keep yourself in shape, you know, Coach Hibble. I know I know your entire coaching staff and team try and keep you on point. Are there things that you guys can do to get you guys out of practices or out of workouts or out of early wake up calls? Like, are there games or things that you do to compete? We, uh, I mean, sometimes we'll just think of something out of the blue and you'd be like coach uh if one of us makes a birdie on 18 and qualifying uh we we don't have workouts tomorrow he'll be like all right but if they don't you you have 10 minutes of running after practice or something like that it's kind of like a uh kind of like a deal breaker like that you gotta you gotta give and take a little bit usually usually it goes the good way though Okay, so now is this something that the entire team has to do, or is this just one person? Just no, kinda... no. This is this is this is the entire team. We'll we'll be sitting on eighteen green. You know, last group's coming up on the last hole, and we'll be like, Coach, they make they make this fifteen footer for birdie tomorrow. No workouts, and he'll be like, You're on. Okay, so I know there's plenty of examples here, but but give me one where 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 it was up to you. And give me a yeah. yeah. Give me an example of when like because. I know you've been in big moments, uh, winning a national yeah. championship in 2017, but I I can't imagine that it doesn't get much bigger than having your entire team hoping that you yeah, make a putt. Yeah, go ahead. I actually, I actually don't know. I can't I can't really remember any of the times I've had to do it. Okay, but I can I can remember my the best memory I have of it, and it's uh, we were playing at the trails in Norman, and they just aerated their greens. And we're sitting on the back of 18 green. Last group's coming up, and uh, my teammate Garrett Reban had about a 15 footer for birdie on like freshly punched greens. Like these are 
not rolling very good. Yeah, it's and, Plinko. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think Max McGreevy, uh, he was a senior a couple years ago, and he, he goes, Coach Hibble, Reban makes this birdie. We don't have workouts tomorrow. And he goes, all right, let's see it. And we all get around Reban, like huddle. We make like a tunnel uh, <laughs> towards the hole, and we're like, there's no way Reban makes this. And uh, he ended up making it, and we all just went nuts on the 18th green. I'm sure the trails people weren't too happy about that, but uh, but we were couldn't couldn't do much much more damage if they're freshly punched. Yeah. So yeah, not going to be that big of a deal. So all right, so that's a little bit about what you've experienced at Oklahoma. As as I said, 2017 national champion. Uh, you know, just had this great great career at Oklahoma. Still coming still coming back next year for your senior year, I assume. Correct. Yeah, yes, sir. I'll be I'll be there in August. <laughs> I bet. So you've had a great summer. You know, top five of the Santa Ana, and just picked up uh, the championship at the the Pac Coast out in New Mexico, uh, twenty under par. Tell me a little bit about what your thought process was coming into this summer, knowing kind of where you stood, kind of yeah. what's coming up. You know, that win brings you up to the, you're the thirteenth ranked American. Uh, 31st in the world amateur rankings. But before you're coming into this summer, what what's kind of your mindset? I'll go back to uh, January, and I sat yeah. down with Coach. I sat down with Coach Hibble, and I was I just came off a really hot kind of October, November, December, where I went I went second, first, second, and three straight tournaments. And uh, Coach Hibble was like, you know, there's no reason you can't just keep doing this and take it all the way through the summer, uh, I mean, you always hear about those guys that just have in, incredible summers, yeah. uh, like, like Cole Hammer last year. And, uh, I know Ryan Moore, uh, I don't know when it was, but he had like the best summer of Amer golf history. You're exactly right. Uh, Love it. Love that. Yeah. You know, the history, man, that's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, so, I mean, he, he just talks about that and he always talks about how you have to be, uh, ready for the moment. Just, uh, having the ball in your hands like you control uh what's what's gonna what's about to happen and uh he always tells us you have to be ready when the time comes and you don't know when it's coming but when it comes you better be ready so uh i just kind of taken that and uh i didn't really finish the school year like i wanted to and then we kind of sat down a little longer or after national championship and we went through what would be a really good summer. And we just kind of went over the tournaments I was playing in. I got fifth at Sunny Hanna, and then I missed the cut at Northeast. And I was like, you know, that's a pretty good setback for what I had planned. So I just, I mean, I went back to Norman for a couple of weeks and went and practiced with my swing coach uh, probably three or four times got ready for the Southern AM and the Southern AM, uh, I thought I played really well. I just didn't putt very good and I ended up getting 40. So, and then the very next week was the pack coast and I go from shooting four over for 72 holes to 20 under and it's the pack coast. And I really don't think anything changed that much besides making putts. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you just gotta be ready for when it happens. When when you think about just basically how, like you said, you don't feel like really anything changed in your game other than a few more putts can fall, what yeah. are some of the things that you took away from the Southern mentally to put yourself in a spot where, okay, you know, new tournament, you know, did you 
have anything with your swing coach or with Coach Hibble where you had that discussion of, of getting yourself in the good mindset for, for the Pack Coast? Yeah, uh, Coach Hibble and my swing coach are actually really good friends. Uh, my swing coach is Ryan Rohde. He's at Southern Hills. And uh, so they talked a lot about what's going on in my game and stuff like that. And uh, we we talked the entire week of the Southern AM saying, you know, uh, my game's there. It's just not scoring. Sure. And uh, so I took uh, – Coach Hibble always talks about taking care of the easy holes, you know, the par five, short par fours, uh, short par threes sometimes. And uh, there's probably four or five easy holes on every golf course. Sure. And he, and he always talks about you take care of the easy holes. And, uh, I mean, if you if you shoot four under out of the five easy holes, I mean, that's just four easy birdies. And uh, you just do that, and you're going to be kind of set up the rest of your round. You know, you can have, you can make some mistakes and still survive. And that's just the mindset I took to the Pat Coast, uh, just trying to make birdies on every par five, birdies on every par four, or easy par four, and then the rest kind of took care of itself. I didn't make, I only made four bogeys that week. So get out of here! Uh, come on, come on. That's so, what, yeah. What's that doing to guys like me? I mean, that's just uh, <laughs> come on. Um, yeah. no, that's awesome. So, yeah. I saw your scores. I mean, it's, uh, I don't have them right in front of me, but I mean, what are we talking about? 67, 66, 65, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. 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 Just a few of those. Yeah. Those, those happen <laughs> a lot. Um, <laughs> so, all right. So you're, you're set up, you know, you're, you're here at the Western, got two more rounds to go with that. Um, you know, you, you've been in situations like this before, whether, you know, middle of the tournament looking good and at a good place in the leaderboard without getting too much into what you're dealing with this week. Are you the guy that's really kind of going over and analyzing what's worked, what hasn't, what holes have been kind of a struggle? Or do you just kind of unpack it or just kind of pack it away and then get ready for the next day and just it's a brand new day? No, I I like to think about uh, like holes, like like if I'm starting on 10 or if I'm starting on one. Okay. Uh, like I know, I know what's coming. I know you can, I mean, you can make birdie on every hole. But uh I mean, there's just holes that are easier than others, and you have to. I like to, like out here at the Western, we're at Point of Woods, and I think number ten is just way easier than number one. So, uh, you get off to you can get off to a really hot start on the back nine, and uh, you just kind of go with the flow. You get off to a bad start, you have to you have to keep going and just do your thing. But uh, I know when the easy holes are coming. And I mean, a lot of times I'll find myself on a, on a hard hole. Uh, you know, you make par here, you got an easy hole on the next hole, that kind of thing. Sure. So like, uh, you just get through this hole with par and you have a really good birdie chance coming up. So, uh, but I mean, you, I mean, you make birdie on every hole, but I mean, I try to make birdie on every hole. It just, you know, it never happens. (laughs) No, I wish it would, but, uh, well, no, it sounds like, okay, so you're basically, you're analyzing which holes you're having trouble with and you're getting yourself ready for the third round. Um, I kind of want to leave you alone as far as talking about the Western because I know you're in the middle of a tournament. So let's kind of, uh, well, let's kind of, l- let me dig into some stuff. Like, you know, I got to talk a little bit about the Burley boys, just a hair, but I, I, I got I to do it a little bit. So yeah. for, for people that don't know, this is something you coined. This is you. This is Blaine Hale. This is Brad Dalkey. Um at, at, at Oklahoma, um, the origination of the name, 
Yeah. Give me a brief story about that, and then I'm really going to hammer on on a couple of things. So, okay. so tell me how so, the Burley Boys started. So I was on. We all have social, or uh, we all have social media, and sure. me, Blaine, and Brad, and we're all we are we're all in group messages on it, so we can send each other like funny stuff we see. And uh, I saw this tweet one day, and it was a video uh, of somebody that had like a pinky ring on, and uh, he he said he had like something engraved on. I don't really remember what it said, but he just said something about uh, being burly, and I was like, I mean, that's you guys. We're we're, we're burly, <laughs> so I was like, and I mean, uh, it kind of stuck. Like we kind of. We, I mean, me, Brad, and Blaine are best friends. Uh, we're we've stayed with each other for four straight years now, and uh, we, I mean, we're staying together this week at the Western. So, I mean, we're if you see one of us, the other two aren't far behind. So, we're always together. So it was easy. It was something easy to. It kind of stays in Oklahoma. I'm not really sure if anybody else calls us that outside of OU, but. Uh, so I, I've done a little, you mentioned social media. I've done a little bit of snooping around and seeing pictures of you guys. So I, I have to ask this question though. Explain, explain the wrestling belt that I've seen shared uh, amongst your teammates. Where did that start from? I see you walking around with that. What, and, and, and I would, I mean, if, if you get yourself onto that Walker cup team, is that belt coming with you? Uh, I'm going to, I actually don't have the belt oh. with me right now. I lost, I lost the belt last time I played for it. So I'm going to have to win it. I'm going to have to win it back before I can do anything. Okay. Tell me about the belt. Okay. So, uh, myself and Bill Alcorn and coach Hibble, Bill Alcorn's our assistant coach. Okay. And, uh, we like the WWE and, uh, we all, we're actually in a group message where we send, like WWE stuff and like I don't, I don't I don't watch WWE anymore but when I was growing up I used to watch that stuff and like Bill uh our assistant coach he's been to like uh, a couple events and like he he went to a Wrestlemania once okay so so he really knows it and I was like coach what if we got what if we got a belt because you see all these football teams and stuff you know they have the yeah. turnover chain yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that and we're like we could have something here and uh, we just, uh, our facility, we just put a new short course on it, and it's called the Ransom. And the belt is basically, you get a, it's like a bracket, and there's a one seed, a two seed, and like all the way down, ever how many people we have on the team. And you, the one and two seed play each other, and the three and four seed are the match to be the number one contender. And if you lose, you just drop down a, just dropped down a uh, spot in the rankings. Sure. So, so uh, I actually, I think I, so to start, the, we just got the belt this year and to start it off, it was whoever was leading the uh, qualifiers throughout the year. I think we got the belt uh, at the end of, at the end of the fall season. So I was, I was actually the one seed. So I play Riley Casey for our very first match. So I won the belt and then I think I went, three or four matches until I lost the belt. I didn't lose the belt until probably April and I lost the belt. And that was the last time we played for it. So, so you mentioned, so you mentioned WWE, uh, yeah. this is going to, this is going to go a long way, uh, with, with our future friendship. So I want to hear it from you. Top five wrestlers of all time. 
Oh, that that'd be easy. My my number my number one is the Undertaker. He's he's my favorite. He's always been my favorite. All right, you're and, my uh, you're my guy. All right, we're we're good. Right, we're yeah. good. Yeah, the, under, the, under, <laughs> the Undertaker's Undertaker's by far my favorite. Okay, give give me a few more. Give me a few more. Uh, you're not gonna fail this test, but I, if you start yeah. with Undertaker, we're good. But who you got? Uh, I mean, probably John John Cena's in yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, Batista's probably in there. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to think of some more good ones. Uh, DX is definitely in there. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'll go with that. Triple Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're always good to watch. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit older than you. We're not going to talk about how much older, but yeah, I'm a little more in the like uh, Macho Man Randy Savage, Ric Flair, Steve Boat in that. Yeah, see, I always I always hear about those from. our coaches, but I never actually watched them, so oh. I know who they. I know who they are. I just, I just don't actually know who they are. That's that's all right. That's all right. There's a thing called YouTube. I'll send you the link. It's fine. You'll, you'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll get it. Um, so, well, this is. I knew we were gonna this this golf conference. So, man, it doesn't sound like you're. I mean, would you consider yourself? And I mean this in, as in a positive way. But are you a golf dork? Like, are you just all golf all the time, or is this just a no, I, I don't think I'm a golf dork. I don't yeah. I don't really so when I first got to college, I never played outside the state of Oklahoma until okay. I got to college. So I played only junior golf stuff in Oklahoma. And uh when we first got to school, uh I didn't know what golf stat was. Okay. We, uh, and we're getting to school and uh I think it was Max McGreevy or somebody was asking me, uh, about golf stat rankings and I was like I don't know who the, maybe maybe it was Wagger. I don't I didn't know either one of the ranking systems. Right. And this was like almost five almost five years ago probably. And uh I look at like some of the rankings and stuff and I did, and I didn't know who Maverick McNeely was and I saw he was playing in the tournament and I was like, Who who's this guy? Like who is he <laughs> like he's like he's killing everybody and he was the number one player in the world and I had no idea. Hey, is it, just keep your head down and do your job. So, like you know, numbers will take care of itself, right? <laughs> yeah, I know everything about uh, the golf stuff now. But when I first got to school, I had no idea. I didn't know about any big time junior tournaments. I didn't know about uh, like I didn't know about Sage Valley that tournament. Yeah, I didn't play in any USGA qualifiers. I didn't know how to qualify for like locals or sectionals or any of that stuff i didn't know what it was until i got to college when coach told us we had to try to qualify for stuff in the summer hey you know that's uh you know you, you come along i mean you, you had great success in oklahoma i mean two-time you know state high school champion and now you won a ton of junior events with the uh, oklahoma state golf with oklahoma golf association so clearly yeah. one of the one of the most you know revered and most uh uh, polished juniors coming out in quite a long time. Well, I I want to get you out of here. I know that you got uh, you got to get ready for the for the next round at the Western Am. But um, let me ask you a couple really quick, kind of like a quick fire question with it. We're on the Burley Boys, so let's uh, let's see if I can get you to uh, you know kind of throw throw the other guys uh, Blaine and Brandon under the bus a little bit here. So uh, mess, okay. the messiest Burley Boy is. I mean, I think we're all pretty messy. Uh, Blaine <laughs> Blaine probably. Blaine probably cleans the most, <laughs> so it's probably me or Brad. Uh, let's see, worst fashion. Uh, definitely Brad. He wears like baggy sweatpants five days a week. Nice. Uh, who's <laughs> who's the worst dancer? Worst dancer, probably me. 
I I never dance. I just I just kind of watch Brad. Brad loves to dance. <laughs> uh, let's see who can lift the most in the weight I'm, in the I'm, weight room. Who's the beast? I'm gonna say myself. Uh, okay, so uh, final one: best facial hair. That's tough because none of us can really grow a good beard or anything. <laughs> I think I think I think I think I have the best uh, like goatee area. Brad lets it just lets it hang loose. Like he he'll just let let it whatever. It'll nice. grow how he wants it to grow. But uh, yeah, none of us can really grow facial hair. <laughs> awesome, Quaid. I'm glad we got to catch up. Uh, good luck the rest of the way at the Western. I know you got the USM coming up, and uh, you know you're on that road to Hoylake. So the best of luck to you this summer, and we'll catch up again soon. Thank you so much. And there you have it. Special thanks to Quade Cummins for joining us here on this episode of the Road to Hoylake. Special thanks to John Pock as well from FSU and Julie Williams from AmateurGolf.com. Don't forget, we have a handful more episodes in this series coming your way the following week, which is U.S. Amateur Week. For additional information, don't forget thebackoftherange.com and amateurgolf.com. Use the code BOTR to get 90 days free access to that site. We'll see you again next time on the Road to Hoylake here at the Back of the Range.